We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Newcastle United have romped home against Norwich by three goals to nail at Carrow Road. What a day. Myself, Alex here, Charlotte Robson, Simon Campbell and Norman Riley, who was there in Norwich to experience it all firsthand. We're going to talk to you about it, how good it was, how we got here and what happens next. We're on Patreon, of course, £6.60 a month. Get involved if you'd like to listen to lots more of these shows. Norman, what a day for you. I'm, I'm so happy for you and everyone else who was there. Uh, how does it go down for you in terms of, uh, you know, away games or, or recent experiences? It's got to be right up there supporting this club for you, mate. One of the best away days I've ever had in my entire life supporting Newcastle United. No exaggeration. It was absolutely perfect from start to finish. You can probably see the people on this call. Listeners won't be able to because obviously it's not being video recorded, but my puffy eyes may suggest how good of a, a day it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, a very easy trip for me, obviously, heading up from Colchester like an hour away meeting Chris and Sean on the train, going to a fantastic pub, spending some time with some brilliant people in the match itself, getting to the stadium at Carroll Road. The atmosphere from the off was just fantastic. It was a really good feel among the fans, like a real sense of togetherness. It's interesting because the last away match I went to was the last away match we played, which was the 5-1 defeat at Spurs. Am I right there? I am right there. Um, and it was really flat. And I think from the off, we kind of felt that Spurs were, were going to get something. Whereas yesterday, the confidence was just so supreme. Like the players, when they came out on the pitch, even bearing in mind the changes that were made, you could just see, you could see from kickoff, the players knew exactly what they were doing. They knew what their jobs were. The organisation was absolutely superb. And the fans just, it, it almost reflected back in the fans. I think there was just this genuine feeling of confidence. I mean, obviously, the three previous wins guaranteeing that we're not going to get relegated help because you do go into a game more relaxed. You know, if this had been a relegation six-pointer, maybe there would have been a bit more tension among us. But ultimately, there wasn't because we are safe. And my God, if that's if that's a window into the future, and look, people can say as much as they want, it's just Norwich City, they're going to get relegated, they're a terrible side. But we systematically dismantled another Premier League away team um, by three goals to nil in a team that desperately needed the points. We absolutely did a number on them and it was a real pleasure. And... The songs that were getting played were brilliant. You know, you had loads of old school songs coming out. Um, players getting like, paying pay homage to players who haven't been there for years. It was just a just a brilliant day. Plenty of people were drunk, but in a really good way. Um, me being one of them, I reckon. Um, and I think Peter and listeners who've listened to the opposition, uh, no, sorry, not the opposition view, the UE end and the match day podcast may well detect the happiness in my voice as it was just there. Uh, just fantastic. Thank you, Eddie Howe, and those players for a brilliant day because obviously you're listening to this podcast, aren't you? And it it was just fantastic to see, and 
There's a couple of things that spring to mind for me. Number one, we deserve this. We deserve this. You deserve this. No one, everyone who is in that away and are watching around the world, you know, these these wins are golden wins. They're, they're golden wins because they're, they're kind of not necessary. We can just enjoy them. There's no fear. There's no, we we'll have to win this to achieve this. And of course, we want to finish in the top 10. We're ninth in the league at the minute. We deserve to be ninth in the league at the minute. We are one of the best teams in the league on form across the calendar year. Um, since, I mean, it's a bit of a shit way of looking at things, but we're going to grasp it with both hands because it's so positive. And I just I just love it. You know, Kieran Clark feels like a long time ago. That feels like a different life to to what supporting this club is all about now. That game against this opposition and just how far we've come, is it's simply incredible. I almost can't describe the job Eddie Howe has done. I don't have the vocabulary I can't tell you how good a job he's done because it's just it's just so good. Newcastle were worse than Norwich. They were worse than Norwich when he took over Eddie Howe. They were bottom of the league in December. And look at us now. Yesterday, making four changes in a Premier League game away from home and still pissing it like we did. Could have scored more. Could have had five or six goals. Kind of playing in second gear. It's just, it is a glorious time to support this football club with everything going on, with the fan base so united and just makes me very very happy indeed to be able to talk about it to you people Norman we saw we dominated possession away from home and it got the point where I reckon on at least five occasions fans were early in now I'm not massive on early in but at the same time like when you're stringing 20 passes together on the ball the opposition just kind of get anywhere near you and you're 2-0 up it's it's pretty pleasant um, and it's pleasant to the point where by the end you basically had like a a sort of testimonial thing going on for Matt Ritchie. It genuinely felt like it was Matt Ritchie's <laughs> testimony. Like, let's get it, get him on, get him the round of applause, and then and then Dwight Gale comes on as well. You're like, it was almost like I said to Chris, I think in the match I turned around, I said it, it almost feels like a goodbye to the last remnants of the Rafa Benitez years in terms of the players. You know, I, I know there will be a couple of players who are there under Benitez sticking around, but players such as Gale and Ritchie, who were incredibly important during those years, that yesterday felt like a bit of a a bit of a goodbye. I may be completely wrong there, but I don't anticipate seeing either Matt Ritchie or Dwight Gill in the squad. And, it, and yesterday for me, again, I, I might sound hyperbolic. I'm kind of in that post-match. Um, I'm still, I've still got the post-match buzz, but it did feel like yesterday felt like the, the, the complete shift. Like, it, it, like that is all gone. That that is all gone now. And there's only the future to come. And it's God Almighty, it's a Please bright future. Those players there because we did at the end of the game have Richie Lascelles and Gale in the team. Um, six years ago, they were playing for Newcastle together. It's such a long time for any team to have players in the team from from that era, and you're totally right. And it did it did just feel a bit like, to me, it was a bit like we're going to go to Norwich and we're not even going to put out the best lads, and we're still going to dominate the game and win. And there's, you've got to be a good football team to do that. There's very few teams in the league. Palace can't do that. Palace can't go to Norwich, or you know, I'm thinking of other teams around us. Leeds can't do it. Villa probably can't do it. But Newcastle United could do it yesterday. They could go, they could go. They could rest players. They could play players like you said. Normally, almost called a t- testimonial to Matt Ritchie, um, and he'd put a couple of nice balls in. It was a bit of a, oh yeah, he was good once, but I didn't have to watch him play left back. That was what it was like. That's why we liked him. Yes, you've lost your song, Matt. Don't worry though. Bruno is really good. I'm sure we'll come on to him, him a bit later. Um, but yeah, it was it was really good for those reasons as well. Um, Sai, you want to talk a little bit about the day as well? Yeah, I mean, obviously, me, you, and Ben watched this on on the television in in sheer jealousy of of how good a day it turned out. I mean, the sun was glaring like like some of the camera angles were really struggling. It was like dark because of the contrast of how sunny it was. That must have made it even more brilliant. Norman, obviously, there was shirts off everywhere. 
And like you say, you've got you've got Matt Ritchie making an appearance. And just and we could hear all the songs like they, they, they were coming through loud and clear and thinking, bloody hell, Shola's getting it out and Shearer's getting it out. And it just everything about it. It had an end of season party feel to it. And yeah. there's still five games to go. It's just what what a day you've experienced, Norman. And, and there's nothing but jealousy from from the Northeast, from, I'm sure all of us. It was very much like um, Fulham away when we won 4-0 and Benitez's last game. But in that yeah. game, that that was a fantastic atmosphere. But the the feeling you got from it was kind of limited to just that day, you know, because there was nothing ahead, right? It was, you know, yeah. dog days ahead. Mike, um, Mike Ashley's still in charge, raffing up and assigning the contract. But it was a brilliant day regardless of that. But it just, it felt like there was nothing else to it. You had, you had isolated it. It was like an isolated moment. Whereas yesterday was not only an incredible day, but it was also a window into the future. And it's a window into more days like that because there are going to be a lot more days like that. So don't worry, mate. And I just missed it yesterday, but I guarantee you're going to get plenty of opportunities to to feel it like I did yesterday. So happy days. And, and I think Norman yesterday uh, was one of those days, wasn't it, where looking at the pictures, the whole away end to, you know, every single fan there stayed after the game, you know, uh, kind of reminiscent of uh, a couple of away games at Leicester under Rafa Benitez and, and that Fulham game, like you say, that, these moments have been few and far between for us. So whilst this might become the norm, I hope it does become the norm in terms of the dominance, the goals, the points. I don't know. It just feels like this, like these are the days, like these are the days that whatever happens in future, you'll think back to, to when 3000 people stayed behind when you're fucking six miles from home for a lot of people just to stay and sing songs about the team. And then like, like Liverpool don't have that man city. Don't no one else to be honest with you has what we have right now. Um, and it's very nice. Norman, just to finish off part one, you want to... Um, i tell you what, no, we've not heard enough from Charlotte <laughs> on the show anything. yet, who's been furiously <laughs> waving at me to try and get on this podcast. But No, no, it's fine. On. I'm actually just loving... I, I mean, I probably should have just stayed at home and listened uh, when it comes <laughs> out, but I just love hearing <laughs> love hearing about the day. And I was going to make the full point as well, Norman, so you've made it. It's just that... It's that sunshine. It's that party feel. It's just, it's just amazing. And... To Alex's point about, you know, uh, fans staying behind for after the game, 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes after the game, just to sing songs about the team. It's not just the fact that, that there's something about, like, the team staying behind and the team coming yeah. over and staying with you. And just like Joe Linton was there for ages yesterday after the game finished. And um, the, I, I have never experienced a togetherness like this as a fan of Newcastle United in, in my lifetime. I haven't. So it's just a, yes, I watched that on the telly yesterday, but... You feel that at St. James's Park now. You feel that, you know, whatever away games you go to. And it's just, it does feel magical. I've never seen a physique like Dwight Gales. I'll tell you what, when he whipped that top off at the end of the game, I mean, <laughs> that, that, that man hit the gym. I'll tell you what, mate. I don't know what he's benching, but I'll tell you what, like, there's not enough weight in the gym. I can't need to get a chest like that. Um, so I'll go on to one performance in particular as we're finishing off this section, and it's Bruno Guimaraes. Look, it's easy to just whack lyrically about the performance because it was out, out, out of this world. His ability to, to pick a pass, okay, it was against Norwich, he had a lot of space read. But the way that he passes the ball, he makes these kind of long passes, but they're almost deceptive because it doesn't look like they've got much pace on them. And yet all of a sudden you've got Willock and um, Jake and Murphy just bursting on them. You think... That, that didn't look that didn't look like it was quick enough, but it, it it's so the pass is so accurate. It's almost like he doesn't have to really put that much pace on it. It just it gets to the exact point that he's aiming for. He's so good. But the goal, oh my god, that goal. I mean, thank you, Tim Krull, for the um assist. And I want you to all know that the Tim Krull song started after he assisted Bruno's goal. Like the song yeah. didn't before that. So that was quite mm-hmm. nice. Um but if you look at it right, you, you probably looked at it like a million times, like I have. 
But when Cruel puts the ball out, right, he basically deceives the defender, Guimaraes, with the bottom of his boot. He uses his studs to kind of flip the ball ever so slightly. And it, it throws the defender and then he dinks that chip over the top. It's, it's one of the most outstanding pieces of skill I've seen in absolute years. Um, what a player. And we'll go into this later on, but three or four more signings like him. Damn me, the sky's the limit next season. Not just now, I'm talking next season and uh, I'll rein it in there because I'm getting a bit too excited. Let's leave it there for part one of the show. Here are some adverts. Uh, if you don't want to listen to the adverts in the show, you can join us on Patreon for £6.60 a month. But you all know that by now, I'm sure, because I say it every single week. Uh, back after these. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, part two of the show, this magical show about this magical win, about this fantastic football club of ours. Charlotte, there's only one man who is worth talking about right now. Well, there's two. There's, well, we've <laughs> talked about one. Yeah, okay, okay. Player-wise, and that is Newcastle's number seven, Joe Linton. First time... In the Premier League history, a player on their 100th appearance has scored twice in a game. Thank you, BBC Match of the Day, for that <laughs> little gem. Uh, and also, it's the first time, probably more importantly, he scored two for Newcastle in a game. Yeah. Just, uh, I'll, I'll give you the floor, Charlotte. Talk to us about Joe Linton. I just, I'm just so impressed with Joe Linton. Um, it... it it, it, not just the performance because like it has been a, a market shift right from from January from December from the previous season and a half that we've watched Joe Linton play everybody wrote him off I wrote him off I couldn't believe we'd spent the money on him we've been through this um the the, the change in physique he looks like a different player that uh, second the, the first goal that that leg across his leg looks like it's about six feet long like he he's and he's so muscly he's so lithe um the the change in physique the fitness the but for me it's the attitude as well like Joe Linton could very easily be like a, a, a 
like we've talked about this haven't we like a Perez like putting his fingers in his ears like like a, like a two fingers to the fans look I can do it but he's so grateful and the fans responding kind yesterday at, at, at Norwich there was that big Joe Linton 100 appearances I think War Flags had, had sorted out um flag so that was there and 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 just making sure that he's aware that we're aware that like this turnaround has been uh phenomenal and yesterday's goals were just were just so good I think we all probably saw the lineup and thought oh (laughs) Joe Linton's playing up front like is that the right decision because because and I don't mean to to be to denigrate him because of how good he's become but that isn't his position right he he gave up the number nine shirt like that is not where he wants to be um but I, Alex and I were talking about this in the car Eddie Howe made a shift he put him put him out to the left um within you know 15 15 20 minutes of the game starting and and that made all the difference and suddenly he's got all this space and suddenly he can he can sort of he can he can use it and it he gets himself into positions. It was it's Jacob Murphy's uh, misses that led to. <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about it. That led to Joe Linton's goals. But he's there, and he's ready, and he has the power behind it where he didn't before. And I just I could talk about him all day. I just I, I just love him, and I love how grateful and happy he seems as well. I just think it's a it's a lovely thing. Yeah, uh, essentially. I don't want to get hyperbolic because each to their own in terms of how you perceive Joe Linton before Eddie Howe came in. But for me, he was the worst player in the league. I agree. He was in in terms of <laughs> in terms of output, particularly as a centre forward. In terms of output, in terms of effectiveness in a game, yes, he he put in more effective positions when played predominantly on the left of a you know midfield, essentially playing left back under Bruce because we were so deep and played without the ball. He did. He did have kind of some merit in terms of closing people down, but in usually terms of holding the ball up. But this, this is like the bottom of the barrel stuff. It's like you're a forty million pound player. He holds up the ball all right. He runs a bit hard. like he was the worst player in the league, and now he's one of the best. Yeah. And and, and the the word transformation does not do it justice. And I just think you know when you look at Joel Linton, and I appreciate that it's easy to call people good blokes when they're scoring goals and playing well. So everyone's a good bloke when they're scoring goals and playing well. They're a lovely, lovely man. <laughs> um, and, and John Joe Shelby's a lazy cunt. Basically, Ooh, that, wow. that, that's what people used to call him, though, didn't Speed they? That, that's, that's, that was the crack. It was like, John Joe Shelby is a bad bloke yeah. because he plays badly and he's lazy and now Joe Linton's a good bloke. But he does seem like a genuinely lovely human being who who has taken the time to understand the fan base, has yeah. taken the time to learn the words to his song, Um you know, he, he he seems like a, even though I, I, is he younger than Bruno? I think he's older. He seems like a big brother to Bruno, and they kind of have all this Instagram banter, which in Brazilian, which I, I don't know what's going on, but I enjoy it nonetheless. Um, it 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 just it just almost seems like it couldn't happen to a nicer bloke. How did the last manager not get this out of him? Because it, it, it he he will run through brick walls. He will he gives everything he can on the pitch. He wants to get his body in the way. He wants to take the hits. How I just can't understand. I want to give credit to Eddie Howe, but also fuck me, what was the last bloke doing, Charlotte? I also want to give credit. Well, we're giving a lot of credit to Joe Linton, but that quiet, like he must have had a quiet, and it was quiet belief in himself that I've, I can do this if, like, if eventually I can do this and I'll be able to show what I can do. Because instead of you know, I don't know, there's something about he must have known that about himself, and he must have known it just 
just hang in there. <laughs> Hopefully this guy will leave and someone else will come and, you know, put me on a treadmill and I'll be better. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just, you're right, the word transformation. I, I, I feel like it's like he's become a beautiful butterfly from his cocoon. I just wanted to go beyond the word transformation and uh, for the first time ever on a podcast and probably the first time I've ever said it, he's, he's transmogrified. That's what I'm going to say, <laughs> which, uh, which basically means um, to transform in a surprising or magical manner. So that's what he's done. Joe Linton, transmogrified. There you go. We'll leave it at that. That can be his um, documentary title. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. It's, it, you know, let's just talk about the goals really briefly. First one, wrong foot, right foot. That's what I like about him, by the way. I was thinking this in bed last night because I think about him in his better time. Like, is Joe Linton two footed? Like, genuinely, is he two footed? He's so strong with his right foot. Um, proved by the goal. He's not two footed. He much prefers his left. But he is, he is like, compared to most footballers, the fact, you know, and that's, this is a conversation for a Patreon podcast, probably in the summer. What's Joe Linton's best position? I really like the fact that we're able to go to Norwich yesterday and Joe Linton. This is why he's so good, so versatile. Um, essentially, he's able to play three positions for Newcastle. One of them not very well, admittedly. Or four positions, he could play either side of the front for 8-3. Eddie Howe's first game, he played a right-hand side of the front three and scored um, against Brentford. And then he's, he's played the left-hand side of the front three. He's played central midfield. Uh, he can play up front, albeit not very well. I thought, actually, that tactical change from how deserves a lot of credit yesterday because it was a bold call to not play Gale, to not play Wood, even though you could say he's given Wood a rest um, and, and play Joe Linton up front. Not going to lie, when I saw it, I thought that's not going to work. We know, we know how this works. It doesn't work well. I think that was proved. And, and how changed it very, very quickly. I don't think the previous manager would change anything that quickly. It would have been a kind of, you know, how clearly has no ego. He's thought this isn't working. We'll move ASM through the middle. ASM ended up getting much, much, was, was playing through the middle, much deeper, linked up with Bruno really well, and all of a sudden there's space in behind for Jacob Murphy a couple of times, there's space in behind for Joe Linton and Matt Target a couple of times. It was a brilliant tactical change that Norwich didn't know how to answer, because they're not very good, and that's fine. We like that. Um, and then the second goal, like you say, Charlotte, I mean, Murphy, talk maybe in the next section, sorry, a little bit about Murphy, I want to ask you to rate the players who've come in yesterday, and if any of them have, uh, have done the job to maybe give Eddie Howard a headache ahead of the Liverpool game. But, you know, Murphy, um, you know, he, he has that chance at nil-nil. Bruno Gamares, brilliant ball. The run's good. The touch is good. He either has to square it to Joe Linton for a tap-in or he has to score. He does neither. That was frustrating. And then Murphy goes through one-on-one. Brilliant ball by Bruno again. Um, and he, he just has to score. And he kind of gets tackled in the fall, the ball very fortunately. It is an unlucky goal for Norwich, fortunately, that lands to Joe Linton. But Joe Linton, Norman... You said this many a time on this podcast when, when he was a centre forward. He just wasn't asked about being in the box. He wouldn't follow play. He wouldn't bust a gut. He, he's, he's sprinting the whole time. That you know, A lot of players, when that ball's played through too, um, I think it was Willock and, and Jacob Murphy and, and Murphy takes it on. They start running there. They think, well, that's that's a goal. Mm-hmm. You know, Joe Litton obviously doesn't trust Jacob Murphy. He knows there's a chance here the ball's going to come to me. That's very harsh on Jacob, but uh, he runs and he scores. So really, really positive for Joe Linton. The guy keeps getting better and better, and I'm excited to see how good he'll be next season and in the World Cup for Brazil, for which he'll surely be selected. Um, Sai, let's move on then. Eddie Howe makes four changes yesterday for the game. A lot of shock selections, um, which we've kind of talked about. Uh, how did you see what ultimately, um, how did Sai, you know, in terms of team selection, in terms of how it went, and do you think there's anyone who came in who 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 has a shout of playing against Liverpool? 
I don't want to get too carried away, and I, I, I also don't want to take away from this brilliant performance and brilliant result. But this was Norwich. Norwich awful. They they were dead and buried. You know, where there's a massive contrast here of a team that's pretty much given up, and a team that just just wants to keep getting better. And that's what it felt like yesterday. So I'm not going to say like all the players who've come in should suddenly be um, starters. You know, but. Nobody played badly, did they? You can't you can't say any of the changes were, were wrong, um, other than maybe Max Mann through the middle, what we've already just discussed. Um, funnily enough, Maxi gets the assist for that terrible layoff to Longstaff for the first goal, doesn't he? And it just rolls on <laughs> to Joe Linton's foot. Um, yeah, I mean, Lascelles didn't really have much to do, so you can't you can't say he played badly. Uh, you know, he, he, it, I don't think he'll he'll play for us for much longer. Um, he might stick around as a squad player for another year, but even that seems like a push. He's just he's just not very good. Um, Murphy was was an interesting one. I think Murphy has is capable of playing in these games. He will be effective against a team like Norwich because that's kind of his level. He's kind of one of these players, a bit like Gale always was, slightly good, slightly too good for the championship, maybe good enough to play against the bottom bottom teams in the Premier League. And I thought he was very effective yesterday. He was getting through every time. All the goals came, pretty much everything in the first half came through Jacob Murphy down the right hand side, and that's it's good to have him in the in the in the on the bench for injuries and other things but again if, if we're going to improve the squad he probably won't get anywhere near it in future which is a shame because I, I like him but um yeah i think the sean longstaff as well um he played well he, he didn't get that involved in the game but he covered a lot of ground he was breaking down the play and norwich just had no joy in midfield and i think um longstaff worked well with willick bruno was was a bit deeper he was this was a window actually into into our over-reliance on John Joe Shelby. It, it just, I didn't notice he was missing at all because Bruno assumed the role of of the playmaker. Didn't he? he was pinging those balls in ways that I don't even think John Joe Shelby can. Um, so it was nice to see a midfield without Shelby so that we can kind of start to look forward. Again, I think Shelby's been a revelation the last six months and I, I really like him and like his attitude and the change we've seen in him. I would be more than happy for him to be part of this team next season as well. But um, it was also nice to see how good we can be without him. So... Um, it was important for Eddie Howe to show that we can change things and still win football matches because it's been pretty consistent. Same 11, same 11, same formation, same 11. And the performances have been pretty much identical. People start to work us out. So it was nice to see a bit of a bit of changing round and the fact that we were almost better again. But caveat that it was Norwich. Just in that sign, I think you are right to caveat that it's Norwich. The only thing I'll say is, I remember Newcastle uh, in the top 10 under Alan Pardew, what, season 13, 14, going to Fulham, who were already relegated at the end of the season on a sunny day in London, and just, you know, getting beat 1-0. And, it, like, you, you know, that, we don't, that isn't the benchmark. <laughs> but, it, but it, it like, there are, there are all of these little reminders to me. You know, we talked about on the, the match preview that I did for patrons um, last week, that could we... This was a much bigger game for Norwich. This is Norwich in theory... Norwich's easiest game this season left in terms of the home games and the away games that they had to come. To have any chance of staying up, they had to win yesterday and had to win probably by two or three, um, even though that goal difference is almost too badly shot already. Um, so could we could we match Norwich's intensity? And we did that. And that that's the satisfying thing for me. Not only how in the run-up of the game, so this is a big game for Norwich, but it's also a big game for our players because they're playing for Newcastle United. You love to hear it. It's another thing to go and back that up and actually do it and actually get your set of players... You know, Palace fans on um, Wednesday kind of accused their team of being on the beach. That was the reaction on social media because they have very little to play for. Palace had a chance of top 10. The intensity from both sets of sides on Wednesday and yesterday 
was incredible. And the fact that, you know, Newcastle have come off three away game defeats. So yesterday is a really important game from that perspective as well. And the fact that they managed to do it was incredible. I will disagree with you a little bit there, Sai. I don't know if you want to come back to me before bring Norman in on Drew Willock, but I thought Longstaff and Lascelles and Murphy in particular didn't have good games yesterday. I know it's strange to say that in a 3-0 win. In terms of giving anyhow a decision to make, I thought Longstaff, um, he, he misses two. He has one great chance he should score. He's he's kind of through on the keeper and he tries to pass. It's deflected at the end. When you play for this team right now, and we are reasonably clinical as a side, um, you, you've got to be better than that. I thought Lascelles, uh, Pookie ran off Lascelles a few times. I just, I just really noticed a difference in, in, in ball playing ability with Fabian Shaw not being there. And I thought the defence was less solid. I thought, with that said, Dan Byrne was excellent again yesterday because you, you said, I think, on the Matchday podcast, someone when Lascelles was in the team, said there's a lot on Dan Byrne, therefore, and that proved to be the case. And I thought Murphy, again, I don't know how Jacob Murphy hasn't scored for Newcastle this season. He's been unlucky, hit the post five times or something like that, including the Cambridge game. But again... If, if you're going to compete in the top 10 of the Premier League and we'll talk about where this Newcastle United side might be next season in a little bit um, but you, I think when, when, when it's an opposition like Norwich you, you have to you have to produce in the in the key parts of the pitch your own defensive third and the opposition defensive third and I thought those players in particular didn't manage it that said great great to see it great for how to get a run out you know Sean Longstaff's out of contract this summer um, Jamal Lascelles big question marks over his future Jacob Murphy's going to be here forever so we're just stuck with him because Steve <laughs> Bruce gave him a six year contract so good to know Side, do you want to come back on me before we move on to Norman yeah I think, I think it's harsh on Jacob Murphy's performance I thought he was really good really effective uh, we, we know his limitations as a footballer and we know that he was up against a, a kind of a poor Norwich defence um, and, and had a lot of joy um, I think there was a moment in the first half where Timu Puki gets put through um, and he's, he's sort of one-on-one, but he goes around Dubravka. And by the time he turns back to face goal, I think there's five Newcastle players between him and the net. And Lascelles mm-hmm. is one of them, obviously. But I think I think the other one's Longstaff. I think he gets back. Um, and I think his work rate was was very good. And he, he, he certainly showed the desire to, to be that kind of holding midfielder. I totally agree, though. Um, it's, a, it's a hideous miss, the, the one that drops for him. And he smashes it over the bar. Like, it's, it's not good enough. And if you get your chance to play in a game like this in, in a team where you've got some serious competition in your position, you've got to take those chances. So yeah, I don't think Sean Longstaff is going to get many games for Newcastle going forward, especially if we, if we bring in another midfielder, which we probably will. Um, but I, I still, and, and yeah, LaSalle, we saw the exact same, Jamal LaSalle hasn't improved. Um, everyone else has improved. Emil Kraft's improved, but I saw the exact same Jamal LaSalle I was seeing 10 months ago. He was playing hospital passes to midfielders when they've got a man right on them he was he was just panicking on the ball um i think he's probably finished as a premier league defender for us but the only one of the players who came in and we haven't yet talked about um joe willick but i think norman wants to i do mate first of all just thanks to alex for bringing up that defeat away to fulham one nil i believe under felix mcgath who of course when i think of felix mcgath all i picture is him making Breda Hangeland rub a big block of cheese on his bad knee as a cure for his injury. Uh, <laughs> so thanks for that, mate. Um, Joe Willock yesterday. Willock, I think, has got a big part to play in the, the future of Newcastle United. Don't here. I really do. I think he's a very, very talented footballer who lost his way of a society because he had to play under Steve Bruce at a football club that was toxic at the time. What we saw from Willock last season when he banged in all those goals in consecutive games was absolutely phenomenal, but... 
other than that, as, as stupid as it sounds, I, I don't think we saw him really develop as a player. I, didn't, I don't think we could see, we saw what he can what he can do as a player. It was just a case of him being in the right place at the right time. I mean, the goal against Fulham aside, where he ran the full length of the pitch. But yesterday, again, he comes in for Miggy, and I think Miggy's been fantastic lately, linking up with Bruno particularly well. He's, Bruno's elevated Miggy's performances, and I think that happened again yesterday. I think... Um, Gimaraes' intelligence, his ability to, uh, to kind of create space for other players means that someone like Joe Willock, he just automatically knows, he knows the space that he's got to run into, his confidence is high, and I think, you know, Sai mentions John Joe Shelby as somebody he'd be happy to see stick around, I, I agree with you, I also think that Joe Willock, he might not be a regular in every game next season, he might be in the first, you know, the, the first pick, but in terms of him being a player in the squad who can just come in any time and come in and perform at a level that we're going to expect from the team next season. Um, I, I really think he's he's got a very bright future and how knows exactly how to get the best out of him, which is great to see. Yeah, I mean, the, the Leicester winner um, was was enough for me to show that Joe Willock will take the opportunity when he gets back on the team because he was he was out, out the team because he wasn't well, but he lost his place because all the other lads are playing so well. But he's, unlike Longstaff, I suppose, to your point before, Dodzy, he's come in and... <laughs> made a mark on that game and said, you know what, I'm here. I'm going to, if, if any of you slip up, I'm in the team. Um, but I totally agree with you on um, the end of last season as well, Norman, where he was class. He was scoring goals every week. He was class. But did he really have a position? Did Steve Bruce know what he was doing with Joe Willock? Or was he just hoying him on in almost a free roll and saying, see if you can get us another goal, Joe. And I don't know if he was playing. You can end, that sentence. Was... <laughs> you can end that sentence with just, did Steve Bruce know what he was doing? <laughs> yeah, true, true. You don't know what he was but, you know, he definitely looks like he knows far more the, the role he's playing in, across the game instead of just like popping up for a goal in the in the last five minutes. Because um, he was sometimes coming on part of a front three on the right hand side, sometimes coming on in midfield on the right. But he wasn't a midfielder last season. And now he looks like a, a proper midfielder. He's, he's, he's dictating the plays. He's running around like a headless chicken at times, closing things down, pressing. And it's, it's brilliant to see. And I suppose, again, just to talk about the previous manager a little bit more. I saw that from all the players who came in, they, they certainly looked like they knew what their job was and there was a plan, even though we've we've changed the team four days after the previous game. Like, imagine that. Imagine being able to make changes within four days from a bloke who couldn't do it in two years. Charlotte, uh, we have to talk about the future, but let, very quickly, we're going to talk mm. about the present because I just, you know, I think me and you both feel we haven't talked about Bruno enough on this podcast so can you I would have that? the whole podcast to be about no I wouldn't no I wouldn't it's a team sport and our team Willock deserves a, a, a good amount of time there because he has been brilliant but you, you say we want to talk about the future but we have to talk about the present as well I think he is the future so <laughs> I can tie it into that I just can't get over how good Bruno Gimaraes is like he is such an intelligent natural gifted footballer like We've got some good players on our team. And then his, his first touch, like uh, watching him is, I, I I can't believe I'm watching this player play for Newcastle United. I love that he picked us when we were 19th, 20th in the league and thought, mm, I can, uh, that's fine. We'll be fine. I, I love watching him play. I love how much he's, I even love how evangelical Christian he is and how much, how grateful he is to his God. Like, I just I, I love everything about him. He wore his magic hat yesterday. So, um, so he's sort of got, got that side of the fan base. I just, his goal, I, I just, I just think he's just unbelievably good and watching him is such a treat week on week that I feel like we had to shout him out a bit more in this podcast um, he elevates the players around him instead of 
instead of me I think you and I talked on a podcast in maybe January or February about how these great players have joined our club and I said how excited I am for sort of them to elevate us and you were like no no our terrible players will bring them down <laughs> well I'm pleased to say <laughs> I think I think my uh, mine was right I think he's people look at our players look at a player like Bruno and like no no I'm, I'm gonna try and meet you there okay maybe they can't they don't have the, it's it is a gift it has to it's it's a natural talent but uh, it has he has changed our squad, I think, for the better. Totally agree. And I just, last thing on Norman. Um, Norman? Bruno. Norman <laughs> next. Never the last thing on Norman. There's lots more Norman, Norman to come. Um, <laughs> is the goal. He, I love the fact that after his first kind of tackle, where he kind of tackles the ball with his studs, he doesn't take another touch. Before he scores, there's so many players, Jacob Murphy, who would probably take <laughs> about three touches in that situation. He just lets the ball run. He's he's watching the goalkeeper. He's watching the goalkeeper, and he, he does kind of the exaggerated. I'm going to stick it either side of you and to chip it over. Tim Quill actually goes to ground and gets on his feet before the ball hits the back of the net. That's how annoyed he is. He's like, for fuck's sake! Like, <laughs> if I don't, if only had stayed stood up. He's like, of course Bruno was going to chip me. He's fucking class. It's so good. It's so good. The, the reaction of the away end is like what, like, if you listen to the noise of the goal, and we're fortunate doing that because we've got Norman recording the goals for the Matchday podcast for parents, um, it's almost like a sense of, like, disbelief and laughter that we've got this player who's who's so good, who's so good at football, and long may it continue. I cannot wait for the Liverpool game. This, you know, the two form teams in the country meet us in James's Park next Saturday. Who would have thought that would be the case? And... It's just going to be a great occasion. I wish it wasn't a twelve thirty kickoff, but you can't have everything. Uh, I think Jurgen Klopp. To get up very early. Yeah, I think Jurgen Klopp is a bit of a shit house for constantly trying to rearrange the fixture list to his own team's benefit. But in this case, I'll agree with him. Let's play it at five thirty. Jurgen, see how that goes. We have to move on though, because we're coming to the end of the podcast. Norman, let's talk about what the future holds for this football club. Four wins in a row, ninth in the league. Teams will always got games in hand, but and we've got three very hard games to come of our last four. So it may not finish like that, but. What do you want to say, mate? Well, it's about realistic ambitions for next season. And obviously, what we want to see, right, you think, well, actually, years of Mike Ashley, we want to see investment in the right areas, bringing in the right players, developing over the course of the next few years and, and taking a tilt at the Champions League in you know, two or three years' time. But to be perfectly honest with you, and again, post-match glow and to sigh, it was only Norwich, but I didn't care. I didn't care. I'm going, to go, I'm going for a TRE because I look at it like this. Eddie Hill with that squad of players that I inherited from Steve Bruce only in, what was it, October, November, in November, right? He's turned around and we're on 1.6 points a game under Hill, right? Over the course of a season, that's like, that would have had we like finishing like sixth or seventh last season, four or five points off the Champions League. Um, this season would be in sixth, would be like, would literally be in a position challenging for the Champions League based on on that point for a game. I remember, you know, and that, that's, it's speculative, and you can say, "Well, you know, but that's not a reality because you haven't, you didn't, he wasn't there for all those games, and what, what you know, whatever it, it is, yeah, it is just speculative." But ultimately, he's managed to do that with this squad of players, right? And I look at now, I look at other teams. I look at West Ham, Wolves, Leicester, up up to fourth in the table, Arsenal, Spurs, right? Arsenal and Spurs, right? Now I'm starting to think, well, actually, if we bring in two more players of Bruno's quality, right, and then two more players of Matt Target and Dan Burns' quality. That's that, that's just, what, four more, four players who massively improved the squad straight away. And I just started thinking, well, is it, is it like, 
realistic to be aiming for the top six next season. And and I think I think it is. I think I think how I don't think how is going to sit there thinking, oh, well, we'll consolidate next season. We'll have like a nice easy season, no relegation worries, and maybe we'll finish eighth or ninth. That's a little bit of an improvement. There's absolutely no way Eddie Howe is going to be satisfied with that. And there's no way Bruno Guimaraes is going to be satisfied with finishing eighth or ninth. Bruno, Bruno and players coming in like him will be wanting to finish straight off in the top six, at least they'll be aiming for the top four. So many like Kieran Trippier hasn't come in to finish eighth in the table next season and have a have a nice, easy season for once. You know, we as fans think, wouldn't it be great to just have a season where we've got no relegation worries? But those players and that manager won't be thinking that, will be thinking we want to get up to the, the top five, top six. And that, and, and that's just, I don't think it's unrealistic to think that is possible because with, with that manager and with the players we've got now and with the players we're bringing in, then, Jesus, man, the sky is the limit. It really is. Very quickly as well. I think the uh, the next three, four games um, probably help with with whether that's realistic. Norman, I, I agree. I think we, we look good enough and we'll we just get better. We'll get better and better each week. I mean, that each performance in the last three, four weeks has, has been an improvement on the last. Um, and there's been so many kind of milestones ticked during Eddie Howe's short period here already. You know, first of first off is we're not, we're not scoring enough goals. We're scoring the goals now. Um, it was, we can't see out a game, we take the lead and we can't see out a game. We got that monkey off our back, we, we get taking the lead and we're winning football matches. Then it was, oh, we're not killing games. Well, we killed the game yesterday, didn't we? At 2-0, we could have easily just sat on it. And, and you know, Norwich are capable of scoring a couple of goals out of nowhere at home. And what did we do? We're still pressing them. And Bruno's third, the, the third goal comes from pressing. It comes from still applying that pressure halfway through the second half and we could have easily taken a foot off the gas like no we're killing this game we're winning this game comfortably um so th- th- these are all signs of progress that that just takes us into next season um obviously you, I, I, if we get hammered by liverpool and hammered by man city that doesn't mean we, we're still we're not going to be capable of doing something next season but i think the way we perform in these games and the way we match ourselves against the best i mean to be fair we've already done it we deserve to beat chelsea but if if we can put in some performances that puts us in their ballpark of of we can we can give you a game then i i go into next season thinking exactly like you norman i think a couple of additions we need a center forward obviously i've 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 enjoyed chris wood's contribution and i love callum wilson but we need someone who's going to play all the games and, and score 15 20 goals if that happens if we get someone in and maybe some competition for maximin um or or miggy um then absolutely top six. It's it's it doesn't even sound silly. I think it's just the the next step. It, it kind of feels like we don't need. We thought we might need a season in between where right, okay, try and get in the top half, just finish tenth. And if if that happens, none of us are going to be disappointed. But it feels like we don't need that. We don't need to waste another year getting to getting to the to Europe basically. And please don't, Eddie. Just just do it. Love it. Let's get carried away. I agree with you both. You know, a lot has to happen in the summer to, to bring Newcastle United up to the level of the team it was, but Newcastle have won 10 of the last 14 Premier League games. It's absurd. You know, the, the, that, that, is, that is a serious talent to win that many football matches in, short, in such a short space of time. Let's not forget the vast majority of those games, all of them without Callum Wilson, our best striker. Newcastle couldn't win a game without Callum Wilson. When Callum Wilson got injured, it was like, fuck. How we're going to win a game? We just don't win. Well, when he got injured, we didn't win very much anyway. But how we're going to win beyond that? And then without Kieran Trippier as well, like the best right back in the league, almost you know, and arguably up there with you know, is in the conversation. And, and to do what we've done without them, and then if you could imagine three or four more quality additions, plus continued improvement in the players we've got, there is part of the fan base, and I understand that are, are maybe a little bit um, 
more reserved about that stuff. I've, I've heard people say, you know, mid-table next season would be nice, you know, and I just think, well, yeah, it would be better than than most of this season. But if we're, if, if Eddie Howe, I think before the game yesterday, I don't know what it is, Newcastle were right, not just this year, but right from when Eddie Howe took his first game against um, Brentford, which he wasn't there for, and Newcastle were the seventh best team in the league. And they're probably the, the sixth or the fifth best team in the league now after yesterday. Why would it get worse next season? Why would there be a massive drop-off? Why, why would we be 14th or 13th next season to the people who say it's just about staying clear relegation next season? It's like, no, like that, that, that isn't what all of this is about. And I always think, I keep saying this, who's going to stop us? Who's going to beat us? When Crystal Palace turned up the stadium on a Wednesday night on an, in, in what should be, it was 14th v 12th in a nothing game. And they see that atmosphere, that display... How, how are the, you know how on earth, how on earth are Crystal Palace going to beat where? How are Wolves or Leicester going to beat where? It's uh, I almost want to say how are Liverpool going to beat us, but with uh, very good football players probably <laughs> on Saturday. Maybe let's see full preview of course for Parents this week. We're going to finish that there because we've run out of time. Thanks to you three for being excellent company in this podcast. Thanks to everyone for listening. We we'll really appreciate it. Next free podcast will definitely be next Sunday after the Liverpool game. We'll speak to you all then. We're on Patreon for £6.60 a month if you want to hear loads more from us before then. Speak to you all then. Bye-bye.